Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this bonus emergency 24-hour post-notification pod for the Scott Harvath podcast. What's new today, Mike? Dude, I've been looking at this cover for Deadfall. I've been doing some research. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole. And everything I saw got me more and more and more excited for this book. So I can't wait to share that with you. Get your thoughts on it and really do a little preview of what's to come on July 11th with the next Scott Harvath, Brad Thor book. Okay, so before we get into this, can, can I just peek the listener behind the curtain here a little bit? You text me, bro, I think the cover's out. I look at it and I... I the way you phrased it, I, I, I'm assuming you hadn't seen the cover, so I, I, I got the cover, I screenshotted it, sent it in our text, radio silence, nothing. Then, <laughs> on our, I'm like, okay, he's saving it for the pod. Then, on our group me chat with our patrons, you're like, yeah, I don't know, but this cover's kind of shit. <laughs> and now, and I'm like, okay. And right, now Mike. I'm pumped. I'm like, well, you could have texted me back. And then, you know, because of like various things, we couldn't record last night, so we had to wait another day. Anyways, so now you're leaving me out high to dry, and now you come on this pod, and you're like, I'm into it. I'm like, what the, what the hell happened? Dude, you're, uh, you're entirely right. I did a 180 on this. I went, I went. And it's been out for 48 hours. It's been out for 48 (laughs) hours. Dude, it's like what they say about Rome. You know, the crowd is fickle. They'll change their whims, you know, the drop of a hat. Dude, I, 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 oh, I've been through a roller coaster of emotions from the moment I saw this. Uh, Yeah. So I I saw it. I texted you. I was like, I'm not going to say much because I don't want to go negative uh, here. I want to be a negative Nelly. I was I was down. I was like, dude, it's it's boring. It's plain. I get that it's about Ukraine. So sure, the color scheme, right? I'm like, it's gonna be golden blue. Ah, I was like, there's not much there. It's just, it's pretty plain Jane. But dude, ah, I am into it now. I found research about Ukraine. I looked into the little blurb Brad wrote. I found what the monument is that has that wing that's on the cover, which we were talking about that in the group chat and a couple of people threw out what they thought it was. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. And so I went down the rabbit hole. I think I found it. I, I'm excited. You definitely, found I, I just, it. you definitely found it. I'm looking at this one picture of it and it, 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 it mimics uh, like, if you look close to the F it's, that's definitely it. So that's gotta be it. But then the Raven is put on top. Well, let me back up. Let me slow my roll. Do you want to do a little bit of the synopsis first? Right. Because that, that will inform that will inform what the cover, the cover should and the be. Artwork. Which exactly. Already this cover is getting bonus points for me because clearly it's about something in the effing book. hundred <laughs> percent. We we are judging the cover by the book, and we haven't read the book, but this is gonna nail it. It's gonna nail it. All right. So in a war ravaged borderlands of the Ukraine, a Russian military unit has gone rogue. Its members, conscripted from the worst prisons and mental asylums across Russia, are the most criminally violent, psychologically dangerous combatants to ever set foot upon the modern battlefield. So just right there, that's literally plucked from the headlines. There was like that all prison unit that is was, I don't know, they were decimated yet or, or what. 
but like when conscripts were low or like, you know, they had gone through it. Like, I remember reading in the news that there was this one unit that was just like the like bad people that they were just pull, plucking out of the gulag and putting them in there. So he's already immediately tapping from, from history. Yep. With all the attention focused on the front lines, they have pushed deeper into the interior to wage a campaign of unspeakable barbarity. As they move from village to village committing horrific war crimes, they meet little resistance as all able-bodied men are off fighting the war. Simultaneously, a team of Russian mercenaries has been dispatched to, by the Kremlin to loot truckloads of art, priceless culture, cultural treasures hidden away in a host of churches, museums, and private homes. When multiple American aid workers are killed, America's top spy is sent in to settle the score. But in a country almost the size of Texas, will Harvath be able to find the men in question? And more importantly, will they be able to stop them? Will he be able to stop them before they can kill again? So I'm I'm reading this and I'm getting I'm like, all right. Obviously Scott's gonna have to like do something with this military unit gone rogue, but then you throw in this like I'm getting that vibe. What was that movie? Like Talking Goats, where like we had the Americans go in during World War II in order to like Monument salvage Men. like monuments Men. to like but there was something about goats, right? Like they there was men who stare at goats. That was a separate movie. Oh, okay. All right. Psyops um, thing. Yeah. Uh, all right. No, that I'm was DARPA. I think it might have been DARPA. Yeah. But <laughs> so you're throwing in like another like sort of national treasure, like this, uh, right. you know, right. side quest in here. So he's got to, he, you could, you could sense just from this, this plot description, Brad wants to scratch both itches that he has, right? He has to have in this military thriller fiction, but also get in this like, Faction. history faction stuff it's really cool you know like america of course america's top spy is called in to deal with both of these threats you know akin to like what you know the nazis did during world war ii you know looting and, and taking out all of the the priceless artifacts right right and so i was a little concerned about going to ukraine just is it too soon do we have it's all very the answers? Soon. It's very right. soon. It's really soon. And especially he must have been writing it months ago, you know, last year, 2022. So I was a little hesitant about that. And then I'll be honest with you. Once I read through the rest of that blurb, especially the part about the artworks, I'm so bought in. And there's no one better to do that than Brad Thor. Right. Now, we know what Brad does in his research and how he always nails it. Well, I just spent like an hour or so trying to find some stuff about preserving artworks across Ukraine, and it is absolutely fascinating. And I guarantee you, if some of these things I found here don't make it into the book, I'll, I'll be bewildered. I'll be perplexed because some of it rings so Brad Thor, and a couple of these articles, I, I'm literally thinking Brad Thor could have wrote this. Like, listen to this part. There was one, the Wilson Quarterly, which is a journal of the Woodrow Wilson Center for Scholarship or whatever. Quote, works of art were evacuated to museum bunkers while artists and gallery directors were using whatever places they could find for storage sites, including an underground cafe in a city in western Ukraine. Statues, stained glass windows, and monuments are being covered with shrapnel-proof material. Basement bunkers are crammed with paintings. And dude, that's exactly what Brad's talking about. 
And, and it goes on to say how there's a whole bunch of local volunteers. There's a whole network working with museum directors because there's seven UNESCO World Heritage Sites in Ukraine, and a lot of them have already been affected. And so I just see it as this like final, urgent, you know, it kind of is giving me callbacks of what was the movie um, where in the English Channel they had to commandeer all of the like fishing boats and regular oh, merchant yeah, yeah. vessels to just – oh, Dunkirk, just to Dunkirk, evacuate yeah. people. And it's like just a way of rallying the everyday people to pitch in. Uh, it even talks about like cafes. So how how Brad Thor is this? This past March, Kozan, the guy they're talking to, one of the art directors, supervised dismantling for the seventh time in its history the Borochadny iconostasis, which was on display for the first time in a century. This is apparently uh, some work a couple of hundred years old in Eastern Orthodox churches. And it's like this quintessential almost um, altarpiece, if you will. But this iconostasis is like a a panel. It's like a wall panel, kind of very medieval style feel. And they say it's so uniquely Ukrainian, Ukrainian and it defines the Ukrainian identity and artwork. And this guy says, 12 museum workers toiled for four days, removing the ingenious wooden joints that had locked the icons to their frame, then carefully separating the giant panels into dozens of parts. Every piece was linked, linked together. Can't you imagine some little clue hidden in this iconostasis like altarpiece that's being dismantled and moved and broken down into its pieces and like hidden in underground bunkers and cafes by, you know, resident volunteers. Like right, I can imagine an right. army of people just moving these things as shells are exploding, you know, and the, and the enemy is closing in. No, that's, I mean, just some of the stuff that you pulled up here, it's, it's, if we don't get it, it's almost like, like what, what are we going to get? You know, that's what I'm intrigued about. Right. Also, when I'm, when I'm reading the first part with this like crazy military unit with like, you know, bad, bad hombres, um, you know, doing these unspeakable barbarity. I can't just help but think about like all the descriptions in like Bucha or like, you know, some of the smaller like suburban cities around Kiev that were like, you know, in that month, two month long siege, right. Of Kiev. And then once they all pulled out, everyone went in and they're still doing investigation into all of this. And then they see like what what the hell went on there. I can't help but to think of that. And how, it's interesting to see like it, it'll be interesting to read with how fresh this all is. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing it put on the page in a thriller with with Harvath there. You know, like will it? How is Brad going to deal with some of those you know finer moments and and touchy touchier aspects of this conflict? He's going to do it boldly. I'll tell you that much. Like, yeah, no, definitely. He's going to judge. That's he's going to have sure. no hold barred. Oh, you I mean, he's and he's going to give his opinion, which, I, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued to read his opinion about it. So. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I wonder how this book's going to go down with a wide variety of readers. And I'll be honest, I, I've been really bothered. I don't know if you've seen on social media and whatnot. I feel like people and everything's so hot button right now. The other side has to be wrong. Let's turn everything into a political argument. And Ukraine has become that, I think, in in American politics, this left and right dynamic. And it's so upsetting because while we can argue over 
how money should be allocated for different causes. And if you disagree with the amount of money the American taxpayers and government is is giving to conflict relief or whatever, like or, or even to military supplies, sure, we can argue that. But I hate when it spills over to if you support Ukraine, you're just a lib, you know, or like whatever. It's like I feel like there's this kind of right wing polarization and ultra liberal left wing and they're arguing over whether or not we should support Ukraine. And it's like, no, argue over how we should allocate resources and support. Is it too much, too little or is it going to the right or wrong things? But don't argue over the self-sovereignty of a people to defend their territory against an imperial aggressor like can we at least like see we're actually should be on the same side in this and the things we should argue are not the big things they're kind of the small things so anyway i don't know if you've seen that would you agree it's been really oh. polarized yeah you know i have people i think needlessly like i think needlessly polarized yeah and it's just like all right you have your opinions of you know whether or not you think Zelensky is a, is a corrupt person, or whether or not you think the Ukrainian government is corrupt. Um, but what's funny is like before this all happened, we were having the same conversations about how we didn't like Russia. You know <laughs> how, right. but now all of a sudden, because I, I, you know Democrats have gotten on board with supporting Ukraine, I now have to support. I'm supposed to support Putin. You know, like it's. I support it's, Putin I, just to show I'm against <laughs> the Democrats. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. It doesn't, absurd. Make, any, doesn't make any sense. I don't so, know. So it's what the bots want, though, right? Like that's what the whole media. Like, sowing dissent. Yeah. They're sowing dissent, right? That's the whole point of their campaign. And the more we argue over it, and the more you post things about, I'm pro this side, I'm pro that side, I hate the other side, it's like we're just giving in to what the Russian bots want us to do, to pull ourselves apart, you know? And I, and I think Brad's going to pick up on that. I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm. That's what I'm. Honestly, when I first read the blurb and knew this was going to be about Ukraine, I'm not educated enough on the subject to like. You know, I can form this idea of like, all right, whatever the hell happened, like in the Buchas, in Kiev, whatever's happening in, you know, well, Eastern Ukraine, you know, the atrocities. Like, I, I think I hope we can come together and agree that's what's going on is like morally bad you know but right. i really want to have someone like a brad thor who can come in you know because he's and that's what i'm also intrigued about like he has this base of readers and is he going to piss off a certain right population you know a, a, right. maybe you can even argue like a decent chunk of his readers you know if they align along that political party or side with you know some ex-presidents by making a statement or like what is his statement going to be? You can kind of already get, get the feel of what his statement is going to be from this little synopsis, you know, dude, it's a great point. I don't know how to handle that. I feel like this book has the potential to be as polarizing as enemy at the gates was in a different way, right? Enemy at the gates kind of split the fan base because of characters and losing characters and what characters have done but this one might but it had a trump style president you know yeah although kyle i think With, walk that line that was married very, to a hillary clinton style vice you know like a first lady right you know so i think he walked the line yeah, yeah he uh, didn't want to call out one side or the other so i think he he found a way to be pushy and edgy or divisive but also kind of piss off both sides in the same amount i i don't know will brad take that route you know call both sides out, right? Call a spade a spade on both sides and kind of find some common ground and some neutral ground. And, and Scott Harvath has done that. Actually, just the last book, 
do you remember Professor Nichols said something about being a Democrat and he made some joke or whatever? And then Scott Harlan he likes the nickel because it like it looks like he's or not whatever one the dime. Oh no, it's a nickel. Jefferson's always looking left. It looks like he's always going to the left. And as a Democrat, I like that, he said. so. <laughs> and then Scott Harvest says, yeah, it's pretty funny. I can start to like this guy. Yeah. So, you know, we know Brad's politics from his earlier days and whatnot. He seems to have maybe evened out, but he's still putting in the writing. The characters are not necessarily political, you know, so I think he, he might find that neutral ground here. It's just going to be very, very hard. It, it it's intriguing. It's definitely intriguing. I think the art piece, though, kind of neutralizes it because who's not for saving UNESCO World Heritage sites, right? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah, Ukrainian yeah. national identity. Whether, however, you fall on the current political debate, the people deserve an identity and cultural treasures that define that for themselves. So, you can't be against mental lunatics being let out of an asylum to ravage a country, and they're you know, and I think they're also going to be pretty savage not just to the artworks but to the people when it says they go village to village i I think they're going to be barbaric yeah it says committing barbar like it literally says committing unspeakable barbarities so dude again though thinking about the setting how rich is this the whole ukraine down to crimea you know west to the carpathians how good a setting is this for brad who we know loves globetrotting Listen to this. So that thing I was describing before from the church, which all these scholars are saying is a, you know, it's an art piece that defines Ukrainian identity through the centuries. And it's disassembled and it's broken down into the secret bunker. Uh, Listen to just how this is described of this guy who wrote the article being taken to the secret bunker to see it. By order of the Ministry of Culture, the storage place of the iconostasis had to be kept secret. Kozan agreed to show it to me on the condition that I revealed no details that could give it away. The next day, I rendezvoused with an aide in leave, and she led me down a flight of stairs to a basement. There I set eyes on hundreds of icons and other treasures. Putin's idea of this war is to destroy Ukrainian nationality, and our task at the museum is to preserve it. This museum is supposed to show that the Ukrainian nation is an old one, that we weren't created by Lenin. It goes back to ancient times. And he declared Putin would never succeed. Being taken down into this basement by a guide, it's a secret location. Nobody can know where it is. I could see like Harvath going down into these places. And then similarly, this piece was created in a monastery out in the countryside. And and dude, just describing this monastery, this, this could be straight out of Brad Thor. It says, quote, the monastery lies in the foothills of the Carpathian Mountains, 110 miles south of Lviv, just beyond the city of Ivano Frankivsk. With the snow-capped mountain range spread before us, my interpreter and I turned off a two-lane highway and followed a dirt road past the village. Half an hour later, we drove across an old wooden bridge, then inched up a steep, muddy track leading to the Hermitage, a stone-walled compound overlooking a ravine and a gorge and pine-cover hills. As we walked through the gate, I took in the peacock blue and golden onion domes rising from churches, a bell tower, and a four-story library. Like, all of the research reads like a Brad Thor setting. And right. and yeah, now no, we're going to get Brad Thor taking us there. Like if he goes yeah. to a place like this, I'm going to lose my mind. It's amazing. So do you think this novel is going to be just in Ukraine? Maybe, maybe a little DC, maybe a little Virginia. It's a good question. Or you know, something back we've left Russia. Out. I was just going to say something we've left out this whole time is where we're coming off of rising tiger. 
because right. how are we going to link that to we well we have the troll and the baby right his his yep. wife's pregnant and then we have the chinese didn't rising tiger have a chinese group kind of pulling the strings yeah he wanted to set up this idea of you know china lurking in they're the next biggest threat you know is that going to be woven in at all or will that be put on the back i think this is like a you know it's almost like yeah there's still a threat but this threat is is current you know like so i'm i'm jumping over here and i'll get back to that in the next book type thing you know like a total power almost like yeah i have some big thing coming with you know the new president whatnot but for now let's just have this attack happen because it's a cool concept yeah, I, I want to focus on this, you know, the the lack of security in our in our grid, which since that book has come out, we've had multiple incidents yeah. of looking at the weaknesses in our, our, our grid. So, you know, yeah. obviously prescient. And this is even more prescient, you know, with the battles still going on. And, and yeah. Today I found that, like, Western tanks are going into, into Ukraine. Oh, boy. <laughs> on the art thing, though, to wrap it up, dude, did you hear this one? Banksy showed up back in November and he drew, I think it was like seven or eight murals. And one guy tore one down and was going to auction it off. And now he's arrested and could face up to 12 years. But he claimed he wanted to preserve the Banksy and he was going to auction it and give the money to the Ukraine forces and whatever. So it's like, it's not just ancient works, it's even modern day treasures because. Banksy goes around the city, start painting things. And is he is he only saying that because. He got caught. He got caught. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think if it wasn't in Kiev, he might have more legs to stand on. But the fact that it was protected because it's in that city, you know, it's not right. like it's going to get destroyed tomorrow by shelling. So I don't know. Well, I mean, Kiev was shelled a little bit. So yeah, it's true. It's true. Dude, the cover. Uh, we yeah, we got to talk there. about the cover. We yeah. got to do the cover. All right. The statue we were talking about. And this is super badass. This is probably the number one fact that made me do a 180 on the cover. That wing is part of a statue of St. Michael the Archangel, patron saint and defender of Kiev. I think that's super cool. And he's standing above one of the medieval gates, one of the original three gates of the city, going back to you know, something like the 1200s. These gates were there. No, that's, that's badass. The fact that, that that's that statue is super cool. But I'm really intrigued by what is this? What is this bird? What is this raven? Yeah. Raven signals death. Right. Who is it? Oh man! Is it I is it, is it a single person? Is it just the fact that these atrocities are happening in in the city, in and around the city? Is, is that what it's supposed to be, or is it like a, a more ominous omen? You know, dude. Yeah. Once you put all that together, I, I've kind of come around on the cover. I think it's super cool. Super. Since I saw the the coloring, I really like the coloring. Yeah, it's it's good. Like I said, my first reaction was, "Duh, makes sense." Yeah, yeah. Ukraine, like golden yellow and uh, blue, right? So, but then you kind of see the shading, right? The yellow does it kind of shades from a yellow at the top to an orange at the bottom. Uh, it it works, but I'm not over the moon about it just yet. Once I, the big thing for me was the statue. I like. We get some very like fine definition in the statue it's it's mm -hmm. you know almost like jumping out of the page almost it would be really cool if like this cover kind of like with rising tiger how the rest of the cover is flat except for this wing is textured you know like you can mm -hmm. feel it it's raised 
Like if I was designing the book, that's what I would do. Like the whole cover is flat except for like when you have this this wing here, you can actually feel it and you, you can like touch every crevice of what it is. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be really cool. Is it is the top half a little too boring? Does it need like one other little thing going on? Or is do you no, like the minimalism? I, I kinda like the minimalism. You know, it's like I mean, what else would you put in there? Like, uh, you know, yeah. some building in, in cave? Like, you know. Or what's the the main thing is that that statue in the, in the middle of keep, right? Yeah, there were a couple other statues uh, that we had thought this might be. I think an independence one, a mo- in another monument. I, I think it's got to be St. Michael the Archangel. I mean, that's so badass, the patron saint defender of the city. I, I think it's super cool. Yeah, it almost I, – I sent the one because – the like the black what is the blacks of the wing kind of looks similar to this one statue with with a it's a it's a woman and she has like these which look like wings but i guess they're part of like her shawl or whatnot but this is definitely a wing and those are definitely not a wing it's like a you know like i said a scarf or whatever and then one, I put the two. You you in our in our doc put the two together, and it matches up almost perfectly. So it's definitely Saint Michael the Archangel. Oh my, wait, you're right about this other one, Maiden. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce that. The Independence Monument. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, you're right though. That one very much looks like it too. It does, but it doesn't have like the the tips. Mm. So you can see the feathers in in the, right. uh, you know, and those it's it, there's not feathers, but they look very similar. That's why at first, like when I saw it, I was, and then I googled it. I, I googled statues in in Ukraine. Right. And that was the first one that popped up, and I saw the coloring. That kind of looked the same. I'm like, oh, it's definitely this one, but no, it's not. Yeah, it's close though. I think I think you're right though, and I did the same thing. Everybody knew it was going to be some sort of statue, and I'm sure the Ukrainian readers would identify it like that. Right. If you have right. any Ukrainian listeners, we would love to hear from you and, and have you on the show to talk about this book. So please reach out. But um, there's going to be a good one. I, I I wasn't sure how Ukraine would be handled. I love the art piece and saving the monuments and this elite slash deranged Russian unit moving through the countryside. I think we're set up for some really cool stuff. You know, have you ever seen, as I was just searching some of this, I was trying to figure out the Raven. So I searched Raven Ukraine, and this movie came up. Dude, I never heard of this. Did you hear of Sniper the White Raven? No. Apparently, it's some movie that's based on a true story. And and then what caught my attention was uh, some review. It might have been The Guardian. Something said at the bottom, it's as if there were a real-life James Reese and Terminalist revenge plot taking place in the Ukraine Ukraine conflict. And when I saw that, I was like, no way. Listen to this. It's a movie based on the real life of this former teacher who lost his wife. And the movie says, quote, After suffering a senseless tragedy at the hand of invading soldiers in the Donbass region in 2014, a former Ukrainian physics teacher renounces his peaceful way of life and seeks revenge. Upon joining the military and earning a coveted spot as a sniper, he sets his sights on an elite Russian sniper whose elimination could change the tide of the conflict. It got bad reviews, but the trailer looks absolutely nasty. The plot description sounds pretty cool, so. We got to check it out. 
I'm gonna yeah, check maybe, it maybe out. Maybe we'll check it out. Maybe we'll do a little little cinema review. Yep. Sniper, the White Raven. Yeah, I, I don't know, dude. I'm excited. Can't wait for July. Yep. Kick off our because we're gonna get. I guess we'll get Jack first. Yep. Then Brad, and then Kyle. And then Kyle. Oh, speaking of author interviews, no, first we'll get uh, Chris Howdy. Speaking of cover reviews, I got an arc for a book that has a banging cover. Sounds really different. It's a good old friend of the podcast. In fact, the first author we ever had on our author series, besides Kyle Mills, Ward Larson. Ward Larson has Deep Fake coming out in just the next few months in March. And it's not part of his usual David Slayton assassin series, but it looks really good. And the the cover's incredible. Can't wait to do that one. Ward Larson's got some big, big things coming on, uh, coming up. So uh, we are going to have him actually back. In, we saw, in we want a copy of his book. Do you see that? We got a, yep, got a copy of his book. I got deep fake right here. Uh, we're going to have him on in March to talk about it. It's not part of the David Slayton Assassin series, but damn, the cover looks good, and this and this is going to be a good one. So can't wait to have him back for a three peat. This will be his third uh, third session. We're waking up a lot of three peats on this bud. <laughs> yeah, and then the cover actually came out, dude. For Assassin's Mark, the next David Slayton book. I'm going to send this one to you separately. We might have to record a little something about the covers of these two because Ward Larson's covers are on point right now. you got to look up uh, Assassin's Mark, the David Slayton number 10. But we'll talk more in March when when we bring him on the show. All right, I'm excited. I always like talking to Ward. All right, anything else you want to say about Deadfall? No, I'm ready to go. Why don't you just tell the folks what's next on the podcast? I mean... We don't have another Brad Thor book till February, but we'll also be doing The Devil's Hand. Yeah, so I guess this is going out before our part two of uh, The Last Patriot, maybe. Depends on when you edit it. Uh, If not, if you haven't listened to that podcast, go check it out. Great, great podcast. We had a nice long conversation about that book. And then the next book we'll be doing here on this feed is The Apostle. Go over to the No Limits feed, the Thriller podcast, and um, yeah, we're going to be completing all the books to date of Jack Carr. We're doing the the Devil's Hand, finally. We always need to thank our patrons, our special operator Sherry F., our special agents Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Dawn, Dennis, Peggy, Kevin, Kevin, (laughs) Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Rod. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. Apple Podcasts, five stars, or even on Spotify, five stars. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Insta at thrillerpodcast. And as always, have a good week, Mike. Thank you, pal. Appreciate that. 